What's up, everybody? This is the Hodgepodge Nothingness Podcast, and I am David Korb. Guys, I just got done watching the game, um, and just just a rough way to see it, the way the game ended tonight. Uh, it's just been, like, the last couple nights, it's, it's, just, it's just been so hard to watch. Um, but let's just go ahead and get into it. Uh, Pirates lose 3-2. Um, in the beginning game, right off the bat, you could tell the Pirates were watching a ton of strikes Davis watched strike one and two before wanting to swing at a pitch. Sawinski continued not to swing at strikes on the outside corner, especially if it's a slider. Um, and they both struck out. Uh, just, you're just It just drives you crazy how many strikes these guys watch. Um, then next time up, Henry Davis was up. Uh, he walks, but then um, Reynolds hits a double, and Davis is sent home, and he gets thrown out at the plate. Uh Honestly, I, I didn't really blame them for sending uh, Davis home. Uh, that's a chance you take uh, with with Jack up facing a lefty. It made sense to me to send him, uh, and the guy in the outfielder or the infielder on the on the relay made a made a great throw uh, right on the money uh, to get um, Davis out at home. Um, next inning, Swinsky gets up. He continues not to swing at outside pitches, and again strikes out. Uh, I, the pro, if this is the approach to help him lower his K rate, it's having the opposite effect. Let me put it that way. <laughs> but, uh, uh, then Troy gets up, hits a shot up the middle, but it goes right into the glove of pitcher Tyler Gilbert. And what looked like a, look what I have moment. Like, I mean, it just missed his head too. Like Troy hit a shot, but it got caught by, by the pitcher. So it was just like, man, um, then uh, the next time that Swinsky got up, uh, he takes a slider on the inside part of the plate, and he takes it for a ride to the wall for a ground will double, and it scores delay. Pirates are up one nothing, and it's just like, good lord, you know. But it was on the inside part of the plate, so yeah, of course he swung at it, um, and that's why I, that's why I would never go to the inside part of the plate on Swinsky. That's just me. But uh, if I was them, I'd paint the outside every freaking time because he, he doesn't want to swing at it. Um, but he he scored, giving them the lead. He got he got the lay in. They got the lead one nothing. Uh, Mitch Keller was just was stellar. Just seven innings, one hit, zero runs. Uh, just did awesome. They take him out of the game, uh, and and right off the bat, Holderman comes in for the eighth and gives up a solo home run to Alex Thomas, tying the game up. Uh, and it was just you just knew it was going to happen. You just knew. The second they took out Keller, something bad was going to happen. You just got that feeling. You hate to manifest it, but man, I, I, I you just, you just know. Like I, I with this team, I, I, it just, that's just the way it is. I, I, a starter does really well, and the second they take him out, it's curtains. And, uh, and yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's just tough to watch. Um. Yeah, that happens. Then uh, Bednar comes in for the ninth. That the Pirates go three up, three down, um, and he goes three up, three down. Did did fine. Uh, and then top tenth, Choi singles with Santana starting on second as the uh, you know the runner on second rule. And uh, now you got runners at first and third. Nick Gonzalez strikes out. Uh, Triola gets the single through the infield. Uh, the infield was shifted to the left. So normally where the where the uh, second baseman would be is where Trilla put the ball. So he just rolled to right field and it scores Santana. And it's looking like they're they're about to put up multiple runs with runners at second and third, one out. But nope, 
Marcano grounds out, and poor Palacios, man. I felt so bad for this kid. He gets up, and I mean, he hits a hard ground ball down first base line. And Christian Walker, to his credit, makes an excellent play to end the inning. If he doesn't make that play, uh, I mean, they're probably scoring. Yeah, they're going to they're going to score two more. But Walker made the play, and, and you know, that's all there is to it. Um, so it's bottom tenth. Pirates are up two one. You're like, okay, come on. And nope, I just the, the usual shit. <laughs> uh, Dominic Canzone, he started getting off on second base, uh, and they bunt. And of course, the Pirates have issues handling a bunt again. Gonzalez is late to the bag, and Bednar, instead of throwing to the bag, throws it to Gonzalez running towards the bag. So, of course, it's behind him, and he drops it. So now you got runners at first and third, no outs, and uh, and just a dribbler to Santana. He fields it, but he's not he's not going to get to the bag in time. There's nobody there. Nobody's there covered. Not the pitcher, not Gonzalez. No one's there. Again, this happened literally yesterday, twice. Same shit. Guy's not on the bag. It just mind-boggling. I, I run scores, and it's first and second. Uh, Perdomo bunts, and they actually get him out, but it puts runners in second, and third. They intentionally walk Marte to load him up for Corbin Carroll, and Corbin Carroll singles, singles down the right field, uh, right field line, and the game's over. Ball game, three two. They lose. Uh, it's it just, just, just tough to watch. It's, it's just been a grind watching this. I, I said, I talked about this yesterday and I, I just, I, I really get it. I get, I get why people walk away and don't watch anymore. It, it's tough. It really is. You try to stay positive. You're trying to stay engaged. You're trying to, you know, but it, it's, it's tough. It's tough to constantly see them shit away these games. Um, you know, and I'll say this. It's tough to wonder if they should have let Keller go in the eighth. He was at 99 pitches. Uh, I mean, clearly they couldn't hit him, but at 99 pitches, that's that's tough, man. Uh, I, you know, I, that's a tough call. So I, I don't really necessarily blame Shelton for for uh, not letting him go out there at 99 pitches. Uh I think if he'd have been in the 80s, then I would have let him go, personally. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you can counter that with just let him start it off and see how he looks. You could you could try that maybe, but I mean, I don't know how many pitches you want your your top pitcher, how many pitches you want him to throw. Then again, there is the All Star break coming up too. So, but just just a tough situation. I think I think I think it's a, a lose lose situation if you let him go out there and he bombs gets bombed right they're gonna be like oh why'd you take him out there nine nine pitches so it's just a tough call but man that infield it has had some issues the last couple games the bunts and the dribblers are just killing them like I said two issues yesterday with it and then and 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 it just it just happened today too uh, and I, I don't know if it's Nick Gonzalez to primarily to blame on this uh, I. It's, it seems like he's he should be there and he's not, or maybe just the way they were shifted on the infield. I'd have to go back and rewatch it, but uh, but man, just just a horrible thing to keep watching every day. It's tough. Um, what else? Uh, the thing I'm not digging is this approach with Sawinski. I I I understand they want him to be more patient, uh, but the constant staring at strike three on the outside corner is driving me absolutely crazy. Uh, it, like. 
I, he had a high K rate because he was chasing a lot of pitches. Okay. So I get you want him to be more patient and work counts and stuff like that. But my man is not, he, he will not swing at a slider or even, in this case, even fastballs on the outside corner. The last one he struck out, the third time he struck out on, that ball wasn't even on the actual edge of the corner. It, it was just offset of middle towards the outside. And, and he didn't swing. And this is with two strikes. Like, you got, you got you to protect the plate, man. You got to swing the bat, especially him. It's like, can he not step towards the, the, the pitch and take it the other way? Like, what, what is going on here? Is he strictly a pull hitter? Is that what we're getting at? But I, I just, I, I don't know. It, it, Iswinski, I think, is going to be a really good baseball player for them, a great hitter for them. Um, and I know it takes time. But, uh, but man, I, it, it's, it's driving me nuts uh, watching this. Like, uh, he, he can do so well. But, but let the kid swing the bat. On, on, he's got to swing the bat at pitches in the zone with two strikes. Um, you know, in the end, uh, bad teams find ways to lose. And then the Pirates did it. Uh, they blew it today with an awesome Keller start. They blew it the other day with a 4 nothing lead. That's what they do. And uh, it's tough to watch. All right, my MVP of the game is Keller, naturally. I mean, that's that's a no-brainer, right? Uh I mean, my man, just to give you the stat line here, seven innings, one hit, zero runs, five walks, four Ks, lower ZRA to 3-3-1. Just just an awesome performance by him. He had literally everything working for him. The sweeper, uh, the the dropping uh, raindrop curveball, man, just beautiful. Um, It it just really good. The fastball was working. The two-seam looked good. He he just did really well today. uh, it's just a shame they, they wasted it. My least valuable player, uh, I'm stuck between two guys. I I, <laughs> I kind of feel bad picking Holderman. Like, like, I feel bad. Like, but I mean, he did, like, go in there and just couldn't, you know, just couldn't get it done. Um, but I know, he, you know, he just came back a little bit recently. So, I know, you know, I try to, when guys first come back off injury, you know, I try to give them a little bit. But, but it, it does suck that uh, he blew it and he was pissed in the dugout, if you didn't notice that. And then uh, the other guy I could have picked was Gonzalez. I mean, uh, and, he's, and Nick's been doing really good for the Pirates. He really has. I, I just uh, three strikeouts today. The gas at second, not covering first. If that was indeed his fault, um, or if one of them was, uh, it just just stuff like that. You got you can't you can't make those mistakes. Um, and it came back to bite them. All right, I'm going to go ahead and do the uh, the game uh, three preview for tomorrow. Uh, it looks like uh, the Pirates are going to have to do a bull, bullpen game. Remember, I, I brought up earlier today on the uh, first podcast I did today was that um, they're going to have to call up somebody or do something because they only got four starting pitchers. But it looks like they're going to take the approach that the Dimebacks took today. And they're they're going to do a bullpen game tomorrow, and it's going to be. Uh, Carmen uh, Majinski, he's going to go ahead and get the start tomorrow. I don't know how many innings he'll go as the opener, if you will. Um, probably just one or two. But uh, And he's 1-1 one one with a 2.61 ERA. He's done really well for the Pirates. But, I mean, like, it's a bullpen game, so it's not like he's going to go for, you know, a win or anything like that. He's just going to go in there, throw an inning or two, and probably be done. Um, now, he's going to be going up against uh, Zach Davies, um, who's a righty. Uh, in ten games, he's one and four, and he's got a six five two ERA. 
uh, 48.1 innings pitch and 39 strikeouts uh, with a 1.57 whip. Uh, not doing so great. Um, yeah, so hopefully the Pirates can can salvage a game this series and, and get a win. Uh, maybe just something positive to head on out to this All-Star break coming up. Because, man, I, I uh, it's been rough. But it's a righty, so really I don't expect to see too many changes to the lineup other than Austin Hedges will probably be uh, out there uh, tomorrow. Um, and really that'll probably be about it. It'll probably be about the same, same lineup as today. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. All right, guys, so the big thing that I wanted to do tonight and why I'm doing another podcast was uh, going to go ahead and do the five-round mock draft for the MLB draft. It is tomorrow night. Uh, I'm really excited. I love I love watching the MLB draft, um, and, I, and I'm looking really forward to seeing what happens. Uh, the MLB has kind of, like, picked up on that people like this kind of stuff, so now they even do, like, a big thing now where, you know, they have – an audience, and they actually pick them, and they come up, and all that stuff. So it's actually really cool that they do this now. So I get really excited for this stuff. So I thought it'd be fun to do a five-round uh, mock draft of who I try to predict who I think they'll pick. Um, so let's just get to it. Uh, you know, um, with the rumors that uh, Dylan Cruz, one, doesn't want to go to the Pirates, and that, two, he wants over slot or at around $10 million, um... You know, I, j- I just don't see it happening, guys. I, I really don't. Um, and in- the guy I, I decided I'm going to go, p- I'm, I'm going to pick is I'm going to go with Paul Skeens, right-handed pitcher at LSU, his teammate. Like I've read a lot of things. I've read Skeens wasn't a pitcher his whole career; that he was actually a catcher. So his arm hasn't been heavily used. Um, I also saw that uh, he has the same agent as Henry Davis, and the guy's been re- revered as a leader on that LSU team. And these are all things that the Pirates like. You know what I'm saying? You know, same thing when they, they took Henry Davis. Uh, the kid's hitting 100 on the gun regularly when he's pitching. So to me, uh, you know, I start to think about our MLB rotation and the depth we have. And it got me thinking, you know, how many starting pitching prospects do we have in the system that's throwing 100 regularly or very often in a game? And the answer is none. To my, to my knowledge, I, I, I can't think of any of these guys. When I think of Jared Jones... Uh, Anthony Salamedo, uh, uh, who's another one? Um, Quinn Priester, and you know, I none of these guys are uh, Nicholas. Him too. Like, I don't think any of those guys are throwing a hundred or more, not to my knowledge. So they don't have one. And then when you think about the window at this team as it sits, that window is supposed to be like twenty four, twenty five, where it starts to open up, where they're supposed to be competitive. And that means he could fit right in at that time. Think about it. They drafted uh, Henry Davis in 21 to 2023, and here he is. Okay? So you draft Skeens in 23, and by 25, he's here. Possibly. So he could fit right in with that. And, and they need it. I mean, just think about it. Think about what they're going through right now with this pitching staff. And then you look in the system. They don't have a, they don't have a Skeens. They don't got a guy thrown 100 regularly. They don't have him. And I mean, all kinds of people, don't take it from me, take it from these, these, these other people, these experts or whatever. They're calling him a unicorn and a no-brainer overall number one pick. They're comparing him to either Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg. 
I don't know about you, but Steven Strasburg? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. Please. So let's go ahead and get into the scouting report. I want to, this is not me. This is this is a professional scouting report. Okay. By the way, he's 21 years old. He throws right. He bats right. He's six foot six, 235 pounds. Here are the scouting grades for Paul Skeens. Fastball, 80. A slider, 70 grade. Changeup, 50 grade. Control, 55 grade. His overall grade is a 65, guys. That's pretty damn good. Here's the actual report. Part of an outlandish Louisiana State recruiting class, Skeen spent his first two college seasons at Air Force and pitched two summers with the U.S. Collegiate National Team before coming to Baton Rouge and winning a College World Series championship this spring. The only NCAA Division I player to reach double figures in wins and home runs in 2022. He might be the top two-way player in the 2023 class. I forgot to even mention that part. Um, but he's also the best college pitching prospect since Steven Strasburg in 2009 and a number one potential overall pick on the mound, so he hasn't picked up a bat this spring. He won the Southeastern Conference Pitcher of the Year honors, led NCAA Division I in strikeouts, 209, breaking Ben McDonald's school in sec record, strikeouts per nine innings, 15.3, and whip, 0.75, and ranked second in wins, 12. His ERA was 169, and the opponent's batting average was 165. After working at 93-95 miles per hour and touching 99 with his fastball as a sophomore, Skeens has averaged 98 and hit 102 at LSU. With the flat approach angle and carrying on his heater making it almost impossible to hit, his slider has improved under the tutelage of Tigers pitching coach Wes Johnson, becoming an 85-89 to mile-an-hour beast, a sharp break, an absurd swing and miss, and chase rates. His power changeup arrives at 88-93 to miles per hour with fade and is a solid offering when he lands it in the strike zone. Physically imposing at 6'6 and 235 pounds, Skeens is athletic with the body control to repeat a sound delivery and provide plenty of strikes. A classic number one starter, he'd also factor into the top three rounds of position player thanks to his huge right-handed power to all fields and projected solid defense at first base. He caught some at Air Force, but is too big for the position. I don't know about you guys, but that, <laughs> after reading all that, yeah, I'm definitely all in on Paul Skeens making him the number one overall pick. That, to me, is just wow. Uh, I... You know, you could go Lankford. You know, they need hitting too. I mean, I I, I completely get it. Um, Lankford would probably be under slot for sure, uh, and they, and that was the approach they took with 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 Henry Davis. Um, but you never know. I mean, Paul Skeens could do the same thing. Maybe he goes a little under slot too. Maybe I don't know. But I, I just when you have the number one overall pick, you need to draft a franchise changing player. And if this is their best shot, you need to go get it. And I and I think, I think that this kid offers that. I really do. You know, for a long time, I was like, it's simple. It's Dylan Cruz. That's it. That's the pick. But then when I started reading about this Skeens kid, I was like, oh my god, this guy, he is incredible. So, I, I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, and 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 I and I'll leave it at that. I I'm I'm going Paul Skeens. Uh, the number one overall pick in the draft. That's who they're going to take. All right, moving on. All right, at pick, uh, second round at 42, I am going to say they take Cole Kerrig, a shortstop, outfielder, and catcher, San Diego State. 
Look, the Pirates love having these guys that can play multiple positions. This kid fits that bill, and he's another player that could be ready uh, during the Pirates window, depending on how aggressive BC is. All right, here's here's the scouting report on him. Real quick, let me bring it up. All right, here it is. Age 21, he, he bats. He's a switch hitter. Uh, he's 6'3", 200 pounds. Here's his scouting grades. For hitting, he's 55. Power's 40, so it's not great. Uh, run is 60. His arm is 70. And his field is 50. Overall, 50 grade. Carrig has been a starter for nearly all of his time at San Diego State, playing nearly every day as a freshman and then taking a big step forward by slashing 388, 426, 509 as a sophomore. Earning first-team All-Mount West honors, he dramatically improved his draft stock by being one of the better hitters in the Cape Cod League, where he hit 329 and stole 15 bases. That's right. You heard it. Cape Cod League. You know BC and them watch the Cape Cod League closely. We know that off of their very first draft. Carrick is a particularly intriguing prospect due to his athleticism and defensive flexibility to go along with his field to hit. The switch hitter tends to be a bit more in sync from the right side, but he shows an innate uh, ability to make contact from both sides of the plate. He's aggressive and has a solid two-strike approach, but more selectively gives him the chance to be a better-than-average hitter. He showed some flashes of a little bit power this fall, but hasn't tapped into it in games as of uh, yet. A plus runner who can steal a base, Carrick has shown ability at three up-the-middle positions. He's natural in center field and has shown he can play a solid shortstop as well. But many scouts agree his best value might come behind the plate as a switch hitting backstop with a plus-plus arm, which was on display with throws of 100 miles per hour and harder from shortstop and the outfield at the draft combine. And athleticism, he's played the outfield exclusively in 2023. Even so, his athleticism and field is still to hit still have him in early round conversations. So there you go, guys. Uh, this kid, this kid is just a he, he's just a mix of so many different things you could do with him, and we know they like that uh, with their players. So that's why I think they might take a shot at this kid. Um, uh, the Cape Cod thing, another reason why I know they watch that stuff closely. So to see this guy batting three, what three thirty nine at the Cape Cod. I mean, that's, that's pretty freaking good. All right, uh, the, the Pirates next have a competitive balance pick, uh, round B, the 67th pick. Uh, I am picking Steven Echevarria, a right-handed pitcher, uh, Milburn, New Jersey. Um, as we know, the Pirates lack legit pitching depth in the system, and that's why I went pitching here again. Uh, so I'll go ahead and go to get to the scouting report on Steven Echevarria. Just give me one second here as it's thinking about it. All right. Um, he's 17 years old. Uh, he throws right. He's 6'1", 180 pounds. Scouting grades, his fastball's 55. His slider's 55. His curveball's 50. And his changeup's 55. And his control's 55 with an overall grade of 50. Every pitch is solid. Literally, every pitch he throws is solid. The New Jersey High School ranks uh, may always be best known for producing Mike Trout. But the Garden State has had a healthy bounty of early-round draft picks of late, with five picks in the top four rounds since 2019, headlined by first-rounders Anthony Volpe in 2019 and Chase Petty in 21. While Echevarria doesn't quite look like an opening-round arm as yet, appearances at the Area Code Games and the WWBA World Championships have put him much more firmly on the map, with strong performances this spring moving him further up draft boards. 
At six foot one right-hander, Echevarria does have an intriguing combination of present feel for pitching and projection of the, his stuff with a potential four-pitch mix. While he's been described as having sneaky velocity in the past with his fastball up to 93-94 miles per hour consistently, this is at 17, guys, by the way, he had gained a tick early this spring, consistently 96 and touching 98 as a 17-year-old. He misses a good amount of bats with it thanks to its ride up in the zone, and he also can throw a 92-93 miles per hour two-seamer down the zone with more consistency, uh, with more consistent velocity to come as he matures. He's shown two distinct breaking pitches with both the slider and the curve usable offerings. The sweeping slider perhaps a bit more effective. They can blend at times, and some scouts like it better when he has more of a curve-like shape to it. He shows Phil for a low 80s changeup as well. Uh, especially for a prep arm in a cold weather state, Echevarria shows off very good pitchability and can throw all of his pitches for strikes. Uh, he reminds some area scouts of Eastern Pennsylvania product Michael Morales, a 21 third round pick of the Mariners who got second round money to sign, and it's not hard to envision Echevarria, a Florida recruit, going in the same vicinity. So that's my competitive balance pick, guys. Uh, like I said, I, just a guy that sounds like an overall polished player for 17, being able to throw that many pitches well already, touching 98. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Okay, to the third round, pick 73. I am going to go with Aiden Smith, outfielder out of Lovejoy, Texas. This kid has a chance to be a part of a stout outfield down the road, in my opinion. I think of like with Shalen Polanco and Lonnie White Jr., you know, these are two names that I think of down the road if the Pirates ever decide to get out of that Reynolds contract. Uh, you know, I, I think of these kids and now add this kid to the mix. And man, you, you've got a future outfield to really look forward to. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you the scouting report on him. He's 18 years old. Uh, he bats and throws right-handed. He's six foot three, 195, I'm sorry, 190 pounds. Here's his scouting grades. His hit, 55. His power is 50. His run is 60. Arm is 60, and his uh, fielding is 55. An overall 45 grade, though. So listen to this guy report. The best pure hitter in the Texas high school ranks. Smith performed well at the area code games and struck out just once in his first 20 games this spring. His back could get him selected in the first three rounds, and if he doesn't turn pro, he'll play at Mississippi State and be draft eligible again as a sophomore in 2025. Smith works with Trevor Story's hitting coach and has developed an advanced approach at the plate. He has good balance, takes a small stride, and focuses on making hard contact from gap to gap with a quick right-handed stroke. He possesses a hit-over-power mentality, but has the best bat speed and strength to provide 20 homers per season. There's more to like beyond Smith's bat. He has an athletic 6'3", 190-pound frame that can add more strength, and he's a plus runner with arm strength to match. He has a chance to remain in center field and enough offensive potential and arm to profile and right should he move to a corner. So, I I don't know about you guys, but that sounds really good. Um, the future with, for that kid is very bright, and man, would I like it to be in a pirate uniform. All right, moving on to the next round. It's going to be fourth round, pick 104. I'm going to go with Garrett Forrester. First baseman, Oregon State. Look, it's no secret the Pirates don't have a legit first baseman in the system, and they need them badly. And we need to fix that black hole that is first base. It's been a black hole for a long time, and I, and I get it. They, they, they can add in free agency just like they did with Carlos Santana, but he's just a stopgap. You know it. I know it. He's not the long-term solution, and neither is Choi. 
Uh, but this kid could be the guy. He really could. So let's let's go ahead and look at the scouting reports. He's age 21. He bats right, throws right. He's six foot one, weighs 208 pounds. Here's the scouting grades on him. His hit is 55. His power is 50. His run is 35. Naturally, he's a first baseman. Uh, his arm is 50. His fielding's 50. Overall, 45. Forster went straight from his Northern California high school into the Oregon State starting lineup as a freshman. The son of former minor league infielder Gary Forster, the first baseman was the Pac-12 tournament most valuable player and a member of the All-Pac-12 first team in 2022. A year later, he's considered one of the better college bats on the West Coast in this draft class. A right-handed hitter, Forster brings an intriguing combination of bat speed, power potential, and pitch recognition to the plate consistently. He makes a very good swing decisions, sees a lot of pitches, and keeps his barrel in the zone for a long time, enabling him to drive the ball to the gaps to all fields while getting his fair share of home runs. While he's a below-average runner, Forrester moves well for his size and is a capable first baseman who has a solid arm that used to look pretty good from third. There was once concern about his body, and while a pro strength and conditioning program won't hurt, he's maintained his frame throughout the time with the Beavers. That should give teams more confidence that his bat with the upside of being a plus hitter with average or better power can carry him to the big leagues. So there you go. I, to me, it's I would they got to get a first baseman in that system. They got to. I mean, how long are we going to wait for Mason Martin? That that's the way I look at this. I, I'm I, I'm 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 over it. So they need they need to go get one. Uh, it just seems like around where they pick, this kid falls in that time frame uh, of the draft. Uh, and I looked at other first basemen, but this kid, uh, what I saw, what I read, I liked. Um, I really did. Um, so that's why I, I, I think he's the pick in that time frame of the draft, around that pick. All right, last pick, guys. Last pick, the fifth round. I pick 140. I'm going Cam Kazeel, shortstop second baseman out of Millard South, Nebraska. This is a kid I could see with Tamar Johnson or Yordani De Los Santos up the middle in the future if things don't work out with guys like, you know, Pagaro, Castro, Bay, Gonzalez, Marcano. You got that kind of like a logjam of guys there, you know, right now with the team or soon to be with the team, I'll say. And, hey, you know, the future is right behind them with Tamar Johnson, uh, De Los Santos, and if they take this kid, this kid too. Uh but let's go ahead and I'll get to the scouting report right now. Um, he's 18. He bats left but throws right. Um, he's 5'11", weighs 195 pounds. His scouting grade, his hit is 60. His power's 45. His run's 45. Arm 50. His fillings 50. Overall 45 grade. So listen to this. The scouts rave about Kozil's hitting ability and high baseball IQ. He rarely swung and missed on the showcase circuit and didn't strike out in four starts while helping Team USA win the 18-and-under World Cup in September. None of his other tools grade is better than average, but his bat and makeup make him the first Nebraska prepster to land in the first three rounds since Cole Stobie in 2016. Gatorade's Nebraska Player of the Year as a, both a junior and senior, Kazeels consistently puts together quality of bats and has an extremely advanced approach for high schoolers. He has a compact left-hand swing, controls the strike zone, and uses the entire field. While he's a bit undersized, he has the strength and bat speed for 15 to 20 homer power and can drive the ball to opposite field as evidenced by a home run to left field when he stayed back on a changeup from Illinois right-hander Xander Muth at the PDP League. Kozil has some twitchy athleticism that helped his, him account for 26 touchdowns in eight games as a Millard South quarterback in Omaha in the fall. 
The Vanderbilt recruit has fringy speed and average arm strength, yet he finds a way to make plays at shortstop. He'll come across the bag at the next level and profiles well as an offensive second baseman. So there you go, guys. Uh, just another kid. Uh, this this is an early scouting report, so it had him projected as a third rounder, but I guess now he's he's projected more to fall around uh, around the when the Pirates pick in the fifth at 140. Uh, if he's there, they got to take him. Uh, I really hope they do. Just an, an, another middle infielder that sounds like he's he's a hell of a hitter um, that I would love for them to try to snag in the fifth round if he does fall. And these and the thing about it is is uh, you can you can project uh, what round they'll go in, but man, in these MLB drafts, it, it gets crazy. You'll see guys ranked around 200 get taken in the top 50, and you're like, what in the world? Like it, that's just how it is. It just it's just dependent on how teams uh, feel about players. And and they get go off their boards or whatever, and and that's that's the thing. So yeah, maybe he goes top three rounds, and he's nowhere near in the fifth. But you know what? Right now they've got him in the fifth round, near one forty. So that's why I went with him. But I'm just, I really hope that the Pirates get some of these kids. I really like what I read about them. Um, the whole thing with Skeens, I, I just you have to take him or Cruz, in my opinion. Uh, with Langford being the third uh, choice that I'd be okay with, but I mean, if you're really trying to get a player that it's it's going to be you know could be a, a a hell of a player for you, uh, franchise player for you, you got you got to go either Skeens or, or Cruz. Um, and and Skeens, it sounds like he's 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 not going to give you you know a, a problem with the money you offer uh, in that slot with him. So. All right, guys, that's all I got. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Um, I had a blast looking this up and looking at different things, trying to decide um, um, who I would pick. Uh, you know, let me know what you think. I mean, I'm, I'm going to put this out there on all of all of the different social medias. I'm on literally every social media app that you could think of. I'm on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on Threads now, Facebook, TikTok, True Social, Tribal, Tumblr, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Herd Social, Reddit, Pinterest. I'm on all of them. <laughs> so you want to connect with me and talk baseball i'd love to, i'd love to love to talk baseball with you but uh don't forget um to hit that ad or plus button follow button if you're enjoying what you're what you're listening to um don't forget i'm also on the Steelers sanctuary podcast with david beer for sanctuary.com uh we just put a new episode out uh, i believe last night uh so that's out uh if you haven't got a chance give that a listen as well um all right guys that's all i got take care i'm out